HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. World Central Kitchen is serving thousands of fresh meals to Ukrainian families fleeing home, as well as people remaining in the country. This week on Let's Talk About Food, host Louisa Kasdan spoke with Henry Patterson about his upcoming relief trip. So you're going to Poland, and I think you told me you're going to be there for at least two weeks. I'm going to Poland to help feed Ukrainian refugees. With Jose Andreas's World Central Kitchen, I decided that's what I wanted to do for my 70th birthday. I leave in just a few days. We all see that what the Russians are doing is contemptible. As a food person, we all love to help. It's in our DNA. And here are people who really need our help. So if you want to help the Ukrainian refugees, either with money or even your hands and heart, find hashtag Chefs for Ukraine and World Central Kitchen. We have to do something. We can help. Remember, hashtag Chefs for Ukraine. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. It's time for lunch. Welcome to Time for Lunch. This is a place to learn about eating, cooking, enjoying, and sometimes playing with your food. Each episode, we cover a new subject. I'm Hannah Forden. And I'm Harry Rosenblum. Tune in for food, fun, and flavor. We have a special guest here for lunch today, and it's up to you to guess who they are and what the theme of today's episode is. Are you ready? Ready! Special guest, what shape are you? Oh boy, you are starting with the hard questions. The real question is, what shape aren't I? Yikes, this is going to be harder than I thought today. Okay, are you grown or made? I'm made. And what food group do you fit into? Uh, I'm a grain, or really I'm grain-based. I'm made from flour and water, and sometimes with egg or other flavorings. Well, that narrows it down. How are you cooked? I'm boiled in water until my texture is just right. Aha. And then are you usually served with some sort of sauce? Yep. Your pasta. 
Noodles, pasta, macaroni, these are all forms of the same type of food. Marco Polo was an Italian explorer who traveled through Asia starting in the year 1271 when he was only 17 years old. He is credited with bringing noodles from China back to Italy, and how we think of noodles here in the USA as being of Italian origin is due to this legacy. Much of the pasta we think of today and are talking about on Time for Lunch is from that Italian tradition, but there are other traditions with flour and water stretched into shapes and then boiled and eaten with sauce or soup that are older and from other cultures. I love noodles and pasta and everything in between. I have to say one of my very favorite types of noodle comes from China. There's an amazing place in New York City called Xi'an's Famous Foods, and they make hand-stretched noodles. So they're really long and chewy, and they have really interesting shapes, and they soak up spicy sauce. Yum, yum, yum. Hand-pulled noodles are really fun to make at home, too, because you get to pull out the noodle with your hands and slap it on the counter. They're really, really fun to make, and pretty easy, too. Hannah, do you ever make pasta from scratch? It's been a really long time since I did that. When I was little, my mom had a pasta maker. So if listeners, if you've never seen one, it's this like amazing contraption that you clamp onto your kitchen counter and you make pasta dough, which is super simple. And then you roll it through this pasta maker and that's how you get it flat or you can make noodle shapes with it. And it was a really, really fun activity for me as a kid because I got to sit on the counter and go crank, crank, crank. I actually think that there's a picture of me doing this, which I'll be sure to share with y'all. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, pasta machines are really fun, but you don't even need one because you can just bake the dough and then hand stretch it or just roll it out on the counter with a rolling pin. And then you just slice it up and put it into boiling water. It is easy and fun and delicious. What's orange and sounds like a parrot? What? Now it's time for our question of the day. The answer to this question is somewhere in the episode, so listen carefully. What pasta shape looks like a little pumpkin? Ooh, I'm excited to learn. Keep an ear out for the answer. I called up two people who know a lot about pasta. As far as I know, they're the first people in a very long time to invent and bring to market a brand new pasta shape. Yeah, my name is Dan Pashman, and I am the host of the Sporkful Food Podcast, and I guess inventor of Cascatelli, the pasta shape. I basically have three things I look for in a pasta shape. The first is what I call fork ability. So like how easy is it to get the pasta shape on your fork and keep it there? You don't want it falling off. You don't want dangler splattering all, splattering all over your shirt. Then after fork ability comes sauce ability. How well does sauce stick to this shape? How much sauce does it hold? And then the one that's most important personally for me, tooth sink ability. That's how satisfying is it to sink your teeth into this pasta shape. I don't like little tiny flimsy shapes. I want ones that are like eating a steak. I love Dan's show, The Sporkful. And when we heard that he made a new pasta shape, we were so excited. I'm going to rate all my pasta from now on. Hi, this is Scott Ketchum. I'm one of the co-founders of Spolini Pasta. Well, here at Spolini, we make a number of different types of pasta, primarily using organic wheats from the North American area. Uh, We do more traditional pastas, which use Durham semolina wheat. 
which is what pretty much all pastas are made from because it has a little bit coarser texture to it, which gives pasta that al dente bite. Uh, we also use a number of different New York state wheats and make a whole line of whole grain, whole wheat pastas using different wheat wheats like emmer and einkorn, which are ancient grains that have been around for thousands of years, uh, to things like rye and spelt, which are have other nutritional offerings and uh, different flavor profiles that can really spice up a good meal. And then we do a whole line of specialty pastas that involve other ingredients that uh, you would enjoy in a good pasta meal, things like basil, um, saffron, which is a traditional Sardinian uh, pasta dish from Italy. We also use things like porcini mushrooms. And then we get a little more creative, and we've even done pastas with uh, sriracha sauce added to them and beet juice. We do our squid ink pasta, which is a, a cuttlefish ink and pairs great with seafood. For the most part, most of our pastas are just flour and water. Uh, you can definitely add egg to them, but although most dried pastas don't have egg. Mm, I'm getting hungry hearing about making all these different kinds of pasta. Well, I, I always loved a shape called mafalda, which is a long, flat noodle like a fettuccine, but with ruffles down the edges. And I, I love ruffles in a pasta shape. They hold a lot of sauce. They're also fun to sink your teeth into, and they just create a different texture. They're kind of like, almost like tickly in your mouth. It just makes it fun to eat. There's one that's not very well known, but it's called Vesuvio. It's like Mount Vesuvius, like the, the famous volcano. And it's kind of like a cone shape. I don't know if it's meant to look like a volcano or like the plumes of smoke rising up from a volcano, but it's sort of a cone-shaped uh, like it's sort of a tube, but but wrapped into a cone shape. And so it's just got all different kind of areas. Some parts of it are, are bigger or smaller, so you get different bites and it holds a lot of sauce. And it's another one that's just sort of fun to eat and fun to look at. There are so many different pasta shapes. Let's see, how many can you count the next time you're in the supermarket? We produce our pastas using bronze dyes, and those are metal plates made of bronze that form the pasta shapes. So they, we work with an engineer, and they create these, these inserts that go into our large dyes, and each insert will create each unique shape of pasta. And the reason you want to use bronze instead of some other material is that it, that, that metal gives it a, a textured surface. And when you look at pasta on the grocery store shelf, you really want to find a pasta with a great rough textured surface because that means your sauce will cling better and absorb better into the and give you a, best, a really great bite each time. If you see something that's really smooth and slick, it's going to probably not hold sauce as well and just may, may make it work a little harder to get a good bite. I'd love to design my own pasta shape. That would be so much fun. And it started off with me just eating all the pasta shapes I could get my hands on, the ones that are already out there, and just trying to figure out, like, all right, what do I like? Do I like tubes? Do I like long or short, ridges, ruffles? And then I figured out the things I like the most, which were, like, ruffles and some kind of a tube. And then I was like, how can I get those different characteristics together into the same shape? You know, I actually I literally had a sketchbook. I had a sketchbook with graph paper, and I was drawing pasta shapes and just trying to think of different ways to get ruffles and tubes together. The problem was that I would draw something that looked awesome to me, but then I would take it to the company that actually makes the molds for the pasta shapes. They're called dyes. I would go to the dye maker and say, this is what I want. And he would say, that's impossible. So a lot of the ideas I had that seemed pretty good when I drew them up turned out not to be, a, turned out to be impossible to make. When Spallini started, um, 
Steve and I looked at what was out there and available to people at the time, and that was in 2012. And there weren't really a lot of different options then. Uh, the pasta aisle was a little boring and stagnant. And we thought there was room to bring some of those shapes back that people weren't really making anymore and bring some excitement back to the pasta selection. So we, we, we just scoured through catalogs to find all the different shapes that are out there and what were available and what we could get uh, made into new dyes to produce it with. And ended up bringing some fun shapes back, like our Zuka, which looks like a little pumpkin. So these really stood out to people when we started the company. And, and I think there's still a lot of shapes out there that people aren't familiar with. So I really encourage people to kind of do a little searching on the internet or finding a book. There's, there's so many great books about different pasta shapes and what they're good for. And that's also led us to um, our collaboration with Dan Pashman from The Sportful, where he was a little had the same similar situation where he was a little not too satisfied with the selections he would find at the store and thought he could come up with something that would that would do um, really work well with different sauces and created his own criteria of really judging pasta and how and how it should work for each dish. Wow, what a cool story! If you want to try Cascatelli for yourself, head over to Spolini.com. S-F-O-G-L-I-N-I dot com, and you can order it or ask your local grocery store to carry it. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more time for lunch very soon. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese The tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old-world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Did you know that there are over 600 different pasta shapes worldwide? Wow. And certain types are good for different sauces. Short, ridged shapes are great for heavy, chunky sauces, like bolognese. And long, smooth shapes are good for thinner, creamier sauces. The ancient Romans used to fry their pasta instead of boiling it. And before they had tomato sauce, Italians would eat pasta dry with their fingers. In the 1700s, tomato sauce was added and pasta would never be the same. I'm so glad that they found tomatoes for the pasta. They go so well together. And that was around the same time that Thomas Jefferson at first encountered pasta. He was so enamored with it that he demanded that the French ambassador bring a pasta-making machine with him when he visited the United States. The first pasta factory here in the U.S. was opened in Brooklyn in 1848, not by an Italian, but by a Frenchman named Antoine Zarega. And couscous is actually a form of pasta. In North Africa, they have been eating it for thousands of years. Ooh, I love couscous. During the Great Depression, a Scottish immigrant began selling packages of dried noodles and grated cheese bound together with a rubber band. 
A few years later, in 1937, Kraft introduced their famous macaroni and cheese. And Kraft macaroni and cheese was a big hit during World War II when things like fresh milk, butter, and cheese were hard to come by. You don't need wheat to make pasta. Did you know that you can use potatoes? And now, instead of a dance break this week, we have a bonus from our friends at the Mystery Recipe Podcast from America's Test Kitchen Kids, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back, and it's time for The Scoop with Adelina. Adelina, can you hear me? Loud and clear, Molly. Great, because you're just on the other side of the room. All right, yeah. Hi, Molly. So what are you doing over there in our recipe lab pantry? Well, today I'm talking with a box of pasta. The Rigatonis, to be exact. Say hi, Tonys. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Hey there. Hey, hey. Hi. So, can I get you to introduce yourselves? Well, we are the Rigatonis. Hooray. And Carl. And we're a bunch of noodle heads, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. We're a big box of rigatoni pasta. And Carl? And Carl, I guess. But don't worry about him. He's not really supposed to be here. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's probably true, but I'm here anyway, so hi, I'm Carl. I'm sorry, Carl? Hi, can you tell me more about yourself? Don't, don't worry about Carl. He's a mistake. He's in this box by accident, but it's fine. Let's talk rigatoni. Yeah! Yeah. Rigatoni, baby! It's okay. I'm sort of used to it. Well, no. I think you're pretty neat looking, Carl. So, what kind of pasta are you? Not rigatoni. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I was asking Carl. Go ahead, Carl. I'm Fusilli! Fusilli. I love that. And for our listeners, can you describe what Fusilli looks like? Well, I'm about an inch long, and I'm super curly. I'm like one big fun corkscrew. You kind of look like a pasta I've had in pasta salad. Yeah, I've gotten that before. (laughs) Amazing. Not that amazing. You never asked us what rigatoni looks like. Sorry, Tonys. Do any of you want to describe what rigatoni looks like? Well, we are bigger than Fusilli and sort of a tube shape like a big straw. And we've got little grooves or lines going all the way down to help us pick up some sauce. Pretty amazing, right? No? Just me? All right, okay. Kinda sounds like penne. Or ziti. Kinda, but like, it's not. We're wider than penne. It's completely not the same. And, uh, we, we got the grooves for the sauce. All my curls and swirls make me one of the best shapes to hold onto pasta sauce. I'm pretty one of a kind, which I guess is cool. But I'm super one of a kind in a box full of rigatoni. Carl, how did you end up in here? Well, a lot of factories that make pasta make all types of pasta. They make a bunch of the same dough and then cut it up into different shapes. So, way back when, we were all exactly the same. Okay, wait. 
Let's start at the beginning. So pasta starts as dough? Yep, we all start as a big batch of dough. We're all made out of flour and a little water. Durham semolina flour, to be exact. Don't mind him, he's just being fancy. So they make a bunch of dough, roll it out really thin, and then split us all up by shape. Some of the dough gets pressed with grooves and put through a machine, like rigatoni. And some gets curled around in on itself, like me. Yeah, but that was like forever ago, before we were shaped and dried. Now we're very different. You're not all that different. You're all pasta. You just look different. Yeah, but we're different shapes. Yeah, but she's right. We're all pasta. I mean, take a look around us at this pantry. There are all different types of crazy and amazing foods. There's rice and beans. Ooh, chicken stock, salt. Those things are all completely different. Compared to that, we have much more in common than we have apart. We've got the same hopes and dreams. Like meeting Joey Pesto. And we have the same fears. Ugh, arts and crafts. Not oh, a no. craft. I don't know, Carl. That might all be true, but you don't look like us or sounds like us. We're all exactly the same. And then you're here, all curly and little. Sure, you look different now, but deep down, you're all just flour and water. Durham semolina flour. To be exact. Sorry. You're both made from the same dough. And the reality is, you're stuck in this box together. Tell me about it. I don't get why you have to think of Carl being here as a mistake. What do you mean? Maybe Carl's here for a reason. Maybe he's here to break up the rigatoni monotony a little bit. Swirl things up. Add a bit of pizzazz. Maybe Carl makes this box special. Not worse. I mean, I guess I do kind of feel attached to the little guy. And I really do like it here. Feels like home. Or at least it would if you'd all just be a little more welcoming. So, what do you say, Tonys? Ah, Carl, buddy. We're sorry. You aren't a mistake. We're glad to have you here. You're all right. Yeah. Sorry, Carl. We love you, Carl. Yeah. Stay too silly, man. Aw, thanks, guys. <laughs> You're not half bad yourselves. I love a happy ending. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Today's scoop is that sometimes being in the wrong box isn't a mistake, and being different doesn't mean you don't belong. And Fusilli is great at holding sauce. Yeah, that too. Did you get all that, Molly? Thanks, Adelina. Yes, I did. That was from Mystery Recipe, a kids podcast all about where food meets fun from America's Test Kitchen kids. Each season, Mystery Recipe tackles a different mystery recipe and includes facts and tips all about each ingredient in the process. It's a lot of fun. So if you want to hear more, you can head to atkkids.com slash mystery recipe, or you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. And now I'm pleased to introduce our friend Isaac Furman with his recipe for a very special pasta made from potatoes. Hi, my name's Isaac, and I'm coming to you live from my little kitchen in Brooklyn, where I'm going to show you guys how to make potato gnocchi. 
A great thing about this recipe is there's two ingredients, potatoes and flour. You can add whatever sauces and toppings you want afterwards, but the pasta itself is really simple. We're gonna start with four starchy potatoes. You wanna use Idaho or russets. That starch content is gonna make a great pasta. So we set our oven to 400 degrees and we prick our potatoes all over. If we don't make sure to prick them with a fork, the potatoes might explode in the oven and that's not gonna make great gnocchi. So when our oven's at 400 degrees, we slide our potatoes into the oven and relax. We have an hour before they come out. Okay, so now the potatoes are ready to come out of the oven and we're gonna carefully take them out of the oven and set them on a tray to cool down. After about 10 minutes or so, they're cool enough to handle. And at this point, you wanna cut them open the long way, kind of think like a hot dog bun. And so with our two halves of the potato, we're gonna just take a big spoon and scoop that flesh out onto a clean work surface to basically find the biggest table you have in your, in your house and use that. So now I'm gonna use a bench scraper to cut up the potatoes a little bit to make them smaller and easier to work with. If you don't have a bench scraper, that's okay. You can use a flexible spatula, or if you're working on a cutting board, you can use a knife gently to cut them up. The great thing about this recipe is it's very forgiving and very rustic. So if it doesn't come out perfectly, that's fine. So at this point, we take about a quarter cup of flour and we add it to our potato mixture and we gently use our hands to fold it into a dough. You wanna to try to use as little flour as possible because the less flour you use, the more delicate and pillowy the gnocchi end up. Eventually, when you're working with the dough, you reach a consistency that kind of feels like Play-Doh. And at this point, we take off a little chunk of the dough and roll it into a long strand, and then take that strand and cut it into little bite-sized pieces. So at this point, the gnocchi is ready to go into a big pot of boiling salted water. So our gnocchis go into the pot of boiling salted water, and then we're gonna wait about a minute. They cook really quickly, so you don't have to do too much, but you wanna have a slotted spoon nearby. So once the gnocchi float to the top after about a minute or two, we can pull them out of the water and put them onto a tray and let them cool down for a second. Now our gnocchi are cooked and ready to eat and we get to talk about toppings. A lot of people like a marinara sauce with your gnocchi, but my favorite way to do it is with a lot of butter, a lot of Parmesan cheese, and just a little bit of black pepper. You can also kind of experiment. Gnocchis are very simple, so it makes it great to add your own toppings or your own sauces. Have fun with it. Oh, that sounds so yummy. Isaac is our fabulous intern here at Time for Lunch, and you'll be hearing his voice on more episodes coming up. Thank you so much, Isaac. We've now reached the part of the show where Hannah and I talk about a bright spot from this week. So I'll go first this week. For me, it's menu planning. Talking all about pasta in this episode has made me think about the fact that my kids, who I know you've all heard me talk about lots and have heard on this podcast, have each started being in charge of one night's dinner every week. So they look at recipes, they figure out what they want to make, and they get help from us, their parents, but they are in charge of making sure that we have whatever food they're interested in eating and they have a hand in it. So I'm really thankful for that because it's really fun and it's nice to see what they come up with and it means I don't have to think about what we're going to have for dinner. That's awesome. I bet that Frank and Moxie have been making some super tasty and fun meals. I also love planning meals. And I have to say that a bright spot for me has been soup season. 
Here in the cold months, it is soup season, and I have been having so much fun experimenting with different soups. I make chicken stock probably once a month, and I put a bunch of chicken stock in my freezer, and probably once a week, I thaw some out and figure out a new soup to make with it. You can even make the old classic chicken noodle soup, which would be in keeping with our theme. Mm, Maybe I'll have soup for dinner tonight. At the beginning of the episode, we asked... What pasta shape looks like a little pumpkin? And the answer is... Zuko, which looks like a little pumpkin. Thanks for listening to Time for Lunch. We'll be back with more tasty stories. This show is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Harry Rosenblum and Hannah Forden, with engineering by Liam Werner. Music in this episode was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder, and our fun facts theme was created by our very own Liam Werner. Special thanks this week to Dan Pashman from the Sporkful Podcast and Scott Ketchum of Svolini Pasta, and our friends over at Mystery Recipe. Isaac Furman is our intrepid intern. Time for Lunch is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Time for Lunch is also a part of Kids Listen, the number one app for finding great podcasts for kids of all ages. You can learn more at kidslisten.org, and you can download the app from iTunes or the Google Play Store. Time for Lunch is powered by Simplecast. And don't forget to stay in touch. Whether you have a joke you'd like to share or you just like to tell us what sort of pasta you had today, we love to hear from our listeners. Send us your recipes, poems, songs, dances, whatever you think we might like. It's super easy to record yourself using the Voice Memo app on an iPhone. Ask your favorite grown-up to help you email us at timeforlunchpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to include your name, age, and address so we can send you a little something in return. Time for Lunch is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. Thank you for listening.